We're the Pragmatic Doulas. This is a podcast where we talk all about birth and other interesting things. Birth may be a goddess, but she doesn't want to be worshipped. She wants to be respected. She doesn't want incense. She wants common sense. sense. This large phallic. Okay. <laughs> okay, so again. Um, oh, so. <laughs> Shall we stop recording and start again? <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> so, welcome. Clearly, Stephanie's here. <laughs> Steph's back. Yay! And immediately starts the podcast talking about the phallic, <laughs> phallic nature, nature of the microphone. <sighs> welcome back, everybody. Hello, my name is Kim. And I'm Suzanne. And I'm Steph. Long lost Steph. Long lost mm-hmm. Steph. She's back. And almost didn't make it here because it's like a horrible freezing rain, slippy, storm, slidey yeah. kind of day. Yeah. But she, she did it. But she I did. did it. Yeah. And she brought us food. But she I brought did. us food. This yeah. is devotion. There, it's a good thing this is a podcast because those bagels are so garlicky. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm glad I'm kind of my class tonight. And I have no boyfriend at home to <laughs> horrify with garlic breath. So it's all good. Me either. It's all good. <laughs> so we're single. Yeah, and garlic's garlic. supposed to be awesome for getting rid of these colds, though, right? Oh, garlic's yes. supposed to help antioxidants and yes. shit. So if Kim, if Steph and I sound a little sultry, uh, Sexy, sultry, bluesy, um, it's because we're at the tail end of really horrible, disgusting head sinus infectiony, just naughty shit, colds. Yeah, and <clears throat> I feel much better. Just might cough every once in a while, and still sound slightly. Sick, but I'm not. I'm fine. You sound distinguished. I, 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 sound distinguished. <laughs> I was thinking the other day that I might try to get a job in like a smoky jazz bar. <laughs> we could yeah. change this whole podcast. And we just could. Become, yeah. We could just sing the blues. <laughs> yes. It's my side hustle. <laughs> so do we have any, um, I have, I have uh, one Housekeeping thing? Couple housekeeping things. So we got an email Mm -hmm. um, from Ottawa, a duel in Ottawa. Oh, long distance email. Yeah, like so people we don't even know. (laughs) Did I read that one? I think you did. Um, Just wanted to send you an email and say, yeah, love your podcast so far. So far, so far. <laughs> so I read that and I go, so we're wait you're waiting for us to disappoint you? Okay, I'll do my best. Yeah. Um, I love your honesty and trucker mouths. Well, that's clear. I am mm-hmm. a doula in Ottawa and have been doing this for seven years now, and I love that you're doing a doula podcast. Mm-hmm. So there are so many birthy podcasts out there, and I'm so happy to hear uh to hear there is one for us and Canadian. Yay. Yeah. So she also made a comment uh through an email thread that she has been a surrogate. So for somebody. Oh, okay. So I've actually asked for her to send her name's Christine. That's mm-hmm. it. We'll just do first names. Um to if she can send her surrogate birth story. If she that would is. be interesting. So yeah, I don't really know a whole lot about surrogacy, only sort mm-hmm. of the just the the main sort of yeah threshold stuff um but yeah i'd be really interested to hear sort of how that went have you supported her. anybody through surrogacy stuff have, yeah. i have i've done a few of them it's pretty a awesome. few wow yeah, i've done a yeah. few of them i haven't done one yeah. it usually well usually you start with one and then your name gets passed along much like I with anything so. else I yeah, suppose, yeah your name gets passed along <clears throat> in that kind of specific situation because for as much as it's 
it is beautiful and wonderful. And in every situation, it's been exactly the same in that the parents are in the room and there as part of the process, which is beautiful and wonderful. Mm -hmm. What's unique is following up with not the family necessarily, mm -hmm. although I have been requested to do that, but with the, with the birthing the, person, the birthing person, yeah. um, my follow-up continues with them after and adjusting mm. and talking and because I'm not going to do postpartum baby and mom support. Right. No, Breastfeeding or anything like that. That's right. I'm specifically helping them unpack right? yeah. how they felt through this one. Yeah. And I've never had someone who has been post-surrogacy and felt any sort of negativity. I know so many mm -hmm. people when they say, oh, I could never do that. I could never mm -hmm. pass the baby off. You wouldn't believe the sense of fullness that these women all seem to have with yeah. being part of something greater than themselves. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Um, I mean, we all have a, something we can do to help people. Mm -hmm. yeah, and that's what they can do. And most of the time too, they, they everyone is staying in touch. Yes. Know? So, and often too. Open situations mostly. Open situations yeah. where also there is generally speaking uh, three to six months of pumping afterwards as well. So. Wow. Yeah. Oh, to provide the baby provide with breast milk. milk. Yeah. Ah. So it's, it, it is, that has been the common, common basis for all of my clients anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Mm -hmm. No, I would love to be a part of a situation like that. So there you go, people. Bring them on. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it would be amazing to support people in that context. I just have never had that experience before. Cool. Yeah. So, yes, thank um, you, Christine, for yes. sending us that email. Yeah, and, and I look um, forward to, if, hearing, to more. hearing that story. I yeah. really do. <clears throat> um, I also wanted a correction, which you brought up to me about. <laughs> what, about the dates? No, the hippie doulas. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm not anti hippie doula, <laughs> Vera. We love you, Vera. We I love, you love my and all of I your love crunchy, my crunchy granola, sisters, bike riding self. I love. Oh my that. god, I love I, her. Yeah. I and her sister. I want to. Be, and if you want to send us criticisms, be my guest. Mm -hmm. I will cry. My my sisters here will doula me through it. <laughs> And then we will adjust where we need to. Mm -hmm. Look, I can take criticism mm -hmm. after I've had a good cry about it. I'm yeah. fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I want to, I didn't want it to seem like we were anti or I was anti. Mm -hmm. I'm just, that's not me. That's just not who I am. But I yeah. openly embrace that there are all sorts of doulas out there mm -hmm. a doula for every woman and a woman for every doula or birthing parent, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to make it clear that we're not anti-anything, really. Yeah. We're not anti-anything. No. Nope. No. Nope. Truly. We, yeah. we joke. We're yes, not anti-anything. Yeah. Um, so. And Vera wants <clears throat> to come on the podcast. So I so hear. So we, we should totally have her on. Yeah. So she can talk up all of her amazing crunchy granola doula-ness because um, she's awesome and we love her. And I would yeah. love to oh, hear her voice. On here, so yeah, get your agenda Burn book me. out, <laughs> and hopefully she will burp less than this one over here. Oh my god! Come yes, Suzanne, <laughs> get out of here! I haven't belched like that in twenty-five years. <laughs> That's Steph, one hundred percent. If you hear big belching going on or farting, you need to know that that is Stephanie Lou. She's doing it, not me. I'm not going to trust a fart today. Oh, no, not my house. <laughs> I think um, I have clean laundry. And so you might have noticed that we have 
move to our weekly format. Mm -hmm. Aren't you glad that now you can hear us every Monday instead of having to wait for two weeks? Yes. That's amazing. And we did that because you you guys you asked, asked us for it. Yep. People were like, we don't want to wait for two weeks. And that made us so happy and made our hearts so full that we decided yep. to double up on the work. We did, yeah. We and did. um, and put out an episode every week. Yeah. So thanks a lot. So I'm so excited about that. Yeah. Um, and we've got we've gotten some good numbers. I mean, as yeah. far as things go, yeah. you know, we've been played at this moment 443 times. Yeah. We're averaging 110 plays per episode. Mm-hmm. So you know, for that to continue and for that to keep going up, we need you to rate, review, and subscribe, and tell your and, friends, and tell your friends. You know, tell yeah. at least one friend. Um, and we love it. Thank you yes. so much. And again, we have. If you want to send us messages. Uh, the pragmatic doulas at gmail.com is the email. Uh, same for the pragmatic doulas on Instagram. Yep. Um, we have 104 followers on Instagram, though I think two of them are us. So, <laughs> <laughs> but we have over 100, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, these numbers might seem small to other really big podcasting people, but mm-hmm. I'm quite happy and thrilled because honestly, I really didn't think 10 people would listen to this. Yeah, I'm, I'm really thrilled too. So, so do you want to do a, uh, an update on where you've been, Stephanie? You've been missing for the last two episodes. So what have you been up to? That whole doula thing, you know, it just oh, keeps rearing its head. Is that head. what you've been doing? <laughs> I went to one awesome family-centered cesarean mm-hmm. um, a couple episodes ago, which was beautiful and lovely. We had, you know, cesarean is not beautiful for everybody. And mm-hmm. it's oftentimes not the way you want to welcome your baby in. But every measure was taken by the physicians, by the staff at the hospital, and by the parents to communicate about what would make it less stressful for them. Mm-hmm. And they decided to move past just less stressful and move into what would make it positive. Mm-hmm. And everyone was on board and listening. And uh, it was a great day. That's really nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, it, that it wasn't just something that they were, you know, having to fight for. <clears throat> and speaking of fighting for, the next birth was, again, a wonderful um, vaginal birth after cesarean, a VBAC. And it didn't start out wonderful. It was highly stressful for everybody initially, but when you get the right care providers who come on and the right staff who drive with the family, then it really turns into something awesome. And that is what happened. That's good. But I guess what happened at that birth leads us into one of the topics we're covering today, which is doulas who go through periods, or I guess right out of the gate, choose to solely support families who are planning to birth at home. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean a doula does not follow you to the hospital if you transfer for whatever given reason. It means that they primarily focus on supporting families who are planning a home birth. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of the experiences I had moving through this last birth initially are why many doulas choose to go that route. Because there's secondary trauma that happens to everyone. It happens to doulas. It happens to nurses. It happens to paramedics. It happens Mm -hmm. to everybody who watches either something violent happen or someone be violated or assaulted or abused. And um, the family initially was being abused. Um, They were being verbally abused. They were being um, condescended to. They were being... By um, whom? By the staff. Hospital staff. By the hospital staff. Um, And during the induction process. um, No, it was actually prior to that. 
Um, They were just trying to get some information. But uh, in any case, it was watching that. And I was thinking about it while I was there. It's like, this is why some people, everybody who's in the realm of healthcare have to at some point change what they're doing. Take a break (laughs) from it. Take a detour. Step away. Step away. And for doulas, quite often that is choosing to do home births for a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And it has nothing to do with kind of natural birth versus medicalized birth. It has to do with the assumption that often comes with home birth is that there is wonderful communication and quiet communication and respect of autonomy mm-hmm. um, and much more autonomous decision-making without urgency because we're really not working within anyone's time frame, generally speaking at a home birth other than the birthing person. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're a birthing person in a hospital setting, you're one of many. Right. Um, yeah. and, and that feeling carries over often into the care. Yep. Um, which is why it's so important to have doulas at hospital births, I think, because we are the continuity of care mm-hmm. and our client is not one of many to us. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to say, too, that we don't want to come across as saying, as it reinforcing that assumption that choosing a home birth automatically means that you're going to get respectful care. True. I've heard stories of people who've had that same experience of verbal abuse and condescension, oh, yes. patronization and so on from home birth midwives. Mm-hmm. Everybody is eligible Human? to be an asshole, <laughs> yes. regardless of your profession, whether you have RM yeah. after your name or MD <clears throat> after your name. However, it is true, at least I believe, that it's true that your chances of having a respectful, open dialogue where you're involved in your care, when you are centered in your care, um, that the chances of that are higher if you choose the midwifery model mm-hmm. and if you choose to birth in your own environment. Like True. To me, that's, that is a safe assumption that your chances are higher. It's not a guarantee, right? but I believe that your chances are higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's also... <clears throat> that's also- not to say that, you know, everybody who has a hospital birth has a terrible situation. Right. No. Um, yeah. You know, I've, I haven't necessarily been in the 13 years that I've been doing this, haven't necessarily had a situation where I just went, I cannot walk into another hospital again. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there's been a couple of times where it's like, oh, that was a little sketchy. Like, let's talk about that and, you know, talk to my client about that and see sort of what they saw and what they felt. Um and I have certainly taken breaks, um, but it wasn't from the birth itself. It was from my own personal mm-hmm. crap that I was going through. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and actually, the hospital that I currently work at mm-hmm. had to take a break from actually doing births uh, fairly early in my career mm-hmm. um, because every bloody birth I attended ended in a C-section. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know. I couldn't, I'd only been a doula all of like 15 minutes, but I didn't know if I was the contributing factor, Mm -hmm. if it was the hospital, what was happening. So in order to stop it, I took myself out of the equation. Mm. Having said that, since I've gone back, since started teaching there and going back to doing births there, I certainly have not had an issue with that. So I don't know what was going on at the time, but Mm -hmm. um, certainly never felt that. I needed to not go to hospitals ever again. Isn't it funny? We always have to make qualifiers because we're so afraid of what 
Uh, everybody's going to say we are saying that sometimes home birth is an absolutely necessary choice for some people. And sometimes hospital birth is a necessary choice. You can find good experiences in both situations. Um, and we just need to qualify that everybody's experience counts. So don't get mad if we are focusing on one thing or the other. Overall, less is more. Mm-hmm. I'm, I think in, in that case, whereas at home, you're one of one. Yeah. At hospital, you're one of many. Yeah. So if you think about just yes. the energy that has to be spread out and how exactly. you're much more likely to be kind of maybe strung out, not even, at, you know, when I speak to my nurse friends, they're like, they'll, they'll say, I don't have the time to do the work that I want to do. Yes. I don't have the time to do the breastfeeding support that I want to do to do the care I want to do because now we have new software. Yes. Um, you know, how, how often do we walk in and we might glance at the technology that's available to help support our families. And it's, they're like, you hear a couple nurses talking together, trying to be, is that how that one goes? New fucking software. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, Lord have mercy. It's you're constantly in a state of learning about software as Mm -hmm. opposed to doing the work that you really want to do. Yeah. Well, did you see for where we work, there was, it might've been a year or two ago, they actually got the software on this, like what the other hospitals have, where you put in the stuff on the computer, as opposed to writing it down. It was like a blip. And because right now the way they do it is they still paper, write. Mm -hmm. A couple of years ago, they got that same system online Mm -hmm. Okay. That they would update the charting uh-huh. in the actual room. Right. They were still yes, doing yes. paper at the time because they were just sort of getting used to what. And now they're back to full paper. Are I'm, they? I yeah. haven't. I don't. I don't all ever you pay see attention the, to what they're doing. All you see on the screen now is just like the graph of mm-hmm. baby's heart rate and whatnot, not the like. Like what client you would information. get, client information, sign, like cyanide would have, you know, oh, it went up like this and it went down like this. And there's, mm-hmm. you'd see the little train, the train chugging in the top corner. Yeah. I have too much time to watch. You, you really I do. do I, I don't I know. I have never noticed. I don't know what. <clears throat> I see the nurses come in and they're doing stuff on the computer. I don't know what they're doing. I see them doing that, but I don't know what they're doing. They might be entering stuff into Bourne. As it happens, maybe. Yeah, I don't and know. I know that they do also they have do paper. the paper charting because I've seen that sitting yeah. around, but I never have made the um, connection. Yeah, they don't do it on the way they used to. I mean, and again, the, it was just a blip. It was like, this is what we're doing. And then it disappeared. Yeah. And I mean, the people make choices to be a part of an institution. And I think that that is what a lot of people are are disillusioned about their experiences in a hospital because they don't make that connection. When you choose to have a hospital birth, you are choosing to have this experience within the boundaries of an institution. That's what a hospital is. So like you were saying, you are one of many and you are also guided and influenced by the policies and procedures and personal beliefs of the people who run that institution. And it cannot be all about you. It simply cannot because you have chosen to give birth within the confines of an institution. And I say that to people sometimes. I say, don't expect to have a home birth experience in the hospital. Sometimes you can. Yeah, sometimes you can. It works out that way. But a lot of the times it doesn't. Your wishes are forgotten or ignored or downright 
cast aside. And that has to be something that you go in into with your eyes wide open. I see some people in my classes and I'm like, oh, and I'm like, yes, it's a hospital. Yeah. They have to do things a certain way sometimes in order to maintain efficacy, safety, and yeah. efficiency and productivity. But that doesn't they mean you don't to. ask. Like that no. doesn't mean So that's that- why you need to advocate for yourself individually. Yes. Because yeah. if you wait for the cogs of the institution to get around to you, it might never happen. No. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Like, and I think sometime, like I had, there was a lovely couple in my class this weekend that were asking questions. Um, but the questions were like, you know, well, is the hospital going to supply diapers for the baby? Nope. Mm-hmm. Is the hospital going to supply um, maxi pads? They always ask that pacifier for the baby. I'm like, oh. nope. Mm-hmm. Like you, you are getting nothing. Like you will get nothing. Mm-hmm. You have to bring all that stuff yourself. Like this is not the 1950s. Like we're not going to keep you in for a week and look after you and care for you and do all of this stuff. Yeah. It's as you say. And I say, look, you're not going to get a private room mm-hmm. afterwards. You're going to get a semi-private because unfortunately your comfort mm-hmm. after you have a baby is not our priority. Mm-hmm. The priority in the hospital is we make sure that you are happy, you are healthy, not happy, that you are healthy, baby is healthy, so that you can go home. Mm-hmm. That's that's it. So you're going to be poked, you're going to be potted, and all this other stuff is going to happen. But it's also that the hospital can make sure that you are healthy, your baby is healthy, and you get your ass out. Mm-hmm. Your best recovery is going to be done at home. Yes. And almost everyone says that, too. They get home and they say, um, I'm so happy to be home. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you mentioned the being a cog in the wheel of the, the institution. Mm-hmm. And, but for some people, that gives them a great sense of comfort. Yes. Like it's it's yes. really interesting for to real. see. For, yes. Yep, that's true. For one person, it's completely overwhelming to feel, like, caught up in the cogs of the wheel. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and for other people, if they like, feel really uh, safe. Yes. Yeah. They're surrounded the by yeah. this system, system, this structure that is there to take care of them. I could That's totally right. see that. It reinforces that for yes. some people. Yeah. And then some, uh, sometimes I find that those are the clients too, who are like, so can I stay for a couple extra days? Yes. Like, I really yeah. like this. Yeah. I like the constant checking on me. I like the, yeah. you know, the buzz somebody <clears throat> in and stuff. It's like, That's what, unless you've had a cesarean section where you're there for two to three days, um, you're out. You're you're probably going to leave at the 25th hour after your Mm -hmm. baby gets their PKU test done. Um, And you're out the door. So instead, you know, this is where you you call in the reinforcements. This is where you do ahead of time. Yes. Mm -hmm. Have your uh, au pair ready. Have your... Postpartum doula ready, have your night like nurse ready, whoever it is. What are we, Europe? What the hell? <laughs> an au pair. Yeah, Who has an au pair? Who has an au pair? <laughs> Nobody I know has an au pair. The family I work with has an au pair. Oh. Really oh. <laughs> He's here from Germany. I was going to say, what, did they get a teenager from Germany to come yeah. over? Okay. <laughs> She's a student here and she works as an au pair. That's and hilarious. you know, sometimes I talk to my clients about their experiences postpartum because that's not a part of their care that I'm actively involved in. I mean, you're there as a birth doula during the labor and during the birth. And if you're a postpartum doula, you're there with them once, once they're home from the hospital. Yeah. But that little while that they're there in the hospital, like I'm usually, I know some doulas do, but I don't do hospital visits and hospital support. No, I only so, do if it happens to be in the hospital where I, I already am. Yeah. <laughs> and they so I often there. ask them, what was your time like? Yeah. The vast majority of the time, 
people are very satisfied and very happy. Even when they tell me the details of their care and support. And in my mind, I'm like, what? What to the hell? No way. That's bullshit. I would, I would <laughs> never put up with Especially surrounding that. breastfeeding. Yes. Uh, but they look, they're beaming. Yeah. Because that's they have mean. a different reference point yeah. than I do. Right. Because I do this work. Yeah. I have a different set of values and a different perspective on what constitutes support. good support. And they are just grateful that somebody brought them food on a tray. Yeah. That was the gray meat. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Somebody it's brought not, them food on a tray. Hospital food is not as bad as you make it out to be. It's not. It's, I've been it's, in hospital. It's, it's, it's not, not delicious. Bad. It's not. I but mean, it's not like prisoner food either. No, really. Exactly. It's improved a little bit. Um, so, yeah. So there has to be that, that we got to realize that too, that we have a different perspective than other, than these, than these families have about what constitutes good support. There's the other thing too. When I was a doula trainer, one of the things that we <clears throat> talked about was that, you know, when you do your postpartum visit, whether labor or you're doing postpartum work, you ask them what they went through, how they felt about it and mm -hmm. all of this mm -hmm. stuff. But you, and if they were like, oh my God, that was so, like, it was amazing. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. You don't blah, blah, jump blah. in and say, and you go, are you kidding what, me? What about? That you know. sucks. They should never have done that. Yeah. You no. never change their perspective on what, yeah. on how they viewed their birth. That's mean. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's not cool. No, that's not cool at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that kind of comes back to when we were talking about that one particular Dula who had kind of put her spin on the use of epidural. Remember that? I think it was right, yeah. our first thing. Yeah. And it, it changes. Episode two. Episode two. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, it, you're putting this. Judgment. Judgment. This. Your own personal. Your own personal. Plate and they didn't baggage. ask to put that on their plate. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that being said, if you follow up with someone and you're seeing as a doula, seeing signs of. Uh, the jitteriness, or mm -hmm. you can tell that she's really processing something. She's saying all the right things, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you can tell there's something else that she might want to say, not want to say in front of her partner. Because mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. one of the hardest things is for someone to say afterwards, actually that fucking sucked and overwhelmed me. And yes, I'm thankful for my baby. So why am I feeling this way? Yes. Um, and that's why I say in classes, it's okay to, you know, think that things didn't go well. It's okay to think that it's shit. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's okay really as long you. as you're yeah. talking to somebody about it. Yeah. So for full transparency, if we're going to sort of veer over to the other lane, <clears throat> we're going to talk about home birth too, right? Right. Yeah. Yes. So I've had three mm -hmm. home births. You guys oh, have personal. heard my two personal yeah. home births. Yeah. Um, you guys have heard my two hospital birth stories already. So all the rest of my babies were born at, oh, at no. home. Right. Um, and I did, have you had home births? Yeah. My stuff? last one was a home birth and the third was... Supposed to be a home. Started birth. out as a home birth, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ended and then, up being not a home birth, and ended up not being a home birth. Mm -hmm. But um, the intent was there, yeah. But mm -hmm. uh, attending a home birth as a so yeah, attending a home birth as a doula mm -hmm. is again the energy is just very different, very mm -hmm. different. Yeah, and adding a qualifier to it, not always. There are sometimes some some weird ass energy going on, mm -hmm. and you walk in it and you're like. Mm, and and you here. know what? Your chances of having <laughs> weird ass energy go up because it is an individual person's home yeah. and you got no idea people's family dynamics, their, yeah. their physical setup, all of that's all open. When you walk into Sinai, you know exactly yeah. what is happening, what's gonna, how things are set up and how things are going to go. Mm -hmm. So you kind of open yourself There's up a, a little system. bit, I think. When, right. When you go to a home birth, because it is all so open and customized. 
Yeah. You don't really know what you're walking into exactly. Yeah. yeah you could walk into half the family being there. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you get to. Which is how it would have been at my. Manage that. Yeah. yeah. You got to manage that. You got to manage my aunties. Yeah. And yeah. my other kids and everybody. Yes. Yeah. I think yeah. one of the. I guess the challenges of home birth too, though. I had a home birth I went to this many moons ago, this one walked into this home birth and everything was actually, it was, she was in early labor, but a little bit of nerves and stuff going on and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, midwife wasn't there yet or anything like that. I think it was more so I was, my thought was I'm going to walk in, I'm going to kind of get her settled. You're yeah. good. This is labor unfolding, make her a cup of tea, send her to bed. Mm-hmm. And I was probably going to head home. Um, but she started shortly after I got there, things started to ramp up, like seeing some more intensity and stuff. Oh, maybe I'll chill on the couch. And then her partner had made the decision to call and let his mom know that oh, she was no. in labor now. Mm-hmm. And she had asked her partner not to. Okay. Not anybody now. Yeah. Yeah. Because she just she, she just wanted her to do her thing. Were enough. Yep. And in addition to that, there wasn't support from either side of the family mm-hmm. to have a home birth. Oh, God, so yeah. we're ramping up. Things are going well. And then we hear a knock at the door. Oh, shit. And we're just coming into like the midnight time. So the nice deep, deep mm-hmm. nights coming in. Mm-hmm. And um, it erupted in an argument downstairs at the front door between her partner and his mother. Oh, no. Um, Whereas at the hospital, you give the nurses at the nurse's station a picture, right. yeah. which is what happened with some of my clients. It's like, don't let this person into our room. Yeah. Or you call security. You got that backup because That's the institution right. has those things in place. Yep. You don't have that at home. You, you do have to not have, have that at home. You only have the boundary. Um, where was I? Disagreement at the front door yes. mm-hmm. that escalated um, and it escalated to the point that he had to kick his mom out, mm-hmm. which I'm sure was so challenging for him. Yeah, that could yes. be I can't imagine having well. to kick my mother out of my house like that. That would, yeah. you know, we're outside of this decision. Everything is pretty happy. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, and that was fine. And, you know, her labor slowed down for a little bit and not an hour later, um, 911 arrived. <gasps> At what? the door, the fire truck arrived. We saw lights outside, not bells and whistles, just lights. Did the mother call? The mother called because this was an unsafe thing that her family was doing. And oh, so this is why the birthing person did not want anyone call. Oh my god, oh my because god. She, this hadn't been threatened, but it was just more like she didn't want mad energy in the house. But this brought this to the next level. Her labor completely turned off. Of course, of course. It did. flashing lights gone. outside your window. Were and the midwives there yet? No, no. They were just, we came They would dry up. up every bit of oxytocin <laughs> in the neighborhood. It's like 9 <laughs> showing up in the middle of sex. It's like, what? Yep, well, that's okay. it. Everything that. closes right up. <laughs> tomorrow. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, everything ended up drying up. Like There was a good cry. There was all of those things. But done. Everything was just done. 9 wow. was gone. Um, the mother-in-law was still there. She was out in the driveway. Mm-hmm. Um hoping that these people would talk some sense into oh, her. She should be charged for using 911 without cause. She was because you get charged for like an ambulance transfer and stuff like yep. that. If things are deemed unnecessary. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyhow, that dried up. She had, didn't go into labor for another 24 hours after that. Oh I ended God. up dozing off for the rest of the night on her couch. I went home in the morning because nothing was happening. And it 
these are these are the intricacies that are different at a home yeah. birth than they yes, are. Yes, that's at- what I mean. That you're opening your you're making yourself really vulnerable to those the because everything's open, customized, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the time it's it's good. Yeah, most right? of the time, but even that is good in that because things stopped, no one tried to start it. Mm. There was no need. Well, things have slowed down. Now we have to True. augment. Yeah. That yeah. wasn't you just option. left it. It yeah. stopped. Let's leave it. Yeah. You're, you're well, and maybe as well. It'll start up again when it's time again. And yeah. it did. Yeah. Wow. yeah. <clears throat> and then actually, did the she second, end up having her home birth? She did. And she actually had it really quickly. By the time I came back the next night in the middle of the night, um, it was like three hours. It was because wow. mm. her body's like, we got to get this fucking thing out before. <laughs> quick before somebody before calls, somebody calls, calls my mother-in-law. Right. <laughs> It was lovely. Mm-hmm. But actually a client that I worked with who was a former client of yours, Suzanne, mm-hmm. had a similar situation, but it was the same thing at hospital. She had someone be very mean to her when she walked into the hospital. Uh, the physician who was on call was not her doctor and was condescending. And it was just that that little bit of condescension that got into her psyche while she was uh, five, almost six centimeters dilated at admission mm-hmm. and fizzle, 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 stop. Two hours after we got there, yeah, done. Mm-hmm. And a big cry, and she went home. And as soon as Later her doctor on. came on on shift, she knew they were on shift. Her labor started again. And back I remember went. you telling me that we're going home to come yeah. back because her doctor's in on the morning or something like that. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, because yeah. it just stopped from someone being mean. mean. Yeah, yeah, it's oh, such a hormonal flow. This thing, and it, it can have impact at hospital. It can have an impact at home. You just never know who's going to show up to kind of. I often wonder what would have happened with my with my um, birth, my last three births, if I had planned to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suspect that would have, have all it? been, would it, well, that's what I'm, that's what I mean. Was it so quick because I was so totally comfortable in my own space? Um, would I, would things have stopped or slowed down if I had in my head that I was going to the hospital and sort of made my way there? Mm-hmm. I, who knows? But yeah. that I've often thought that or wondered that too. So have you done many home births, either of you? I didn't go to Matt. Like, <coughs> well, I guess for Toronto, I about twenty percent of what I do is is home birth, That's and good. well, now I guess a home birth and, and birth center. Really yeah. enjoying the births at the Toronto Birth Center. No, nope, not me. Awesome. I haven't done a lot at all. I, I can I, count on one hand. I think I have. That's about me too. Have you done the Toronto Birth Center? Nope. No. But I do have a client at the AMU coming up soon, oh, which nice. I am like dying for. <laughs> alongside midwifery unit? Alongside midwifery unit at um, Mark I almost got in there and then they decided they didn't need to do less. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, good luck. Yeah, I'm, I'm dying for a birth Enjoy at the birth yourself. center too because it just looks like so beautiful. And uh, <clears throat> every time I go in there, I'm like, oh, I want to like bring a suitcase and just stay here. <laughs> right? You see days. the hammock there. You see the queen size oh, bed, the deep ass tub, totally. the walk-in shower. It almost yes. makes you want to have a baby of your own. Yep. Nope. <laughs> no, it doesn't make no, me feel that quite exactly, but I do want to attend a birth there. Have mm-hmm. you guys ever sort of gotten into a position? Like I know you're, this was kind of, this topic was brought up because of what you had experienced, but have you guys ever actually definitely done like gotten to the point where you're like, no, I cannot do a hospital birth. No. Cannot do this anymore. I have gone through um, stepping back from certain hospitals. True. Yeah. Okay. Because of watching some horrible shit unfold. Um, and again, it wasn't necessarily the birth. It was the care. 
was watching right. um, really abusive care unfold. Mm-hmm. And every time I, I couldn't honestly doula somebody, I think when I was still processing so much of the shit that happened, yes, I couldn't support someone in that space without carrying that with me at the time. So I had to take some space away from that, that place to work it out. So then in that case, talking about in that vicarious trauma that you experienced, what do you do to help yourself through that vicarious trauma? Usually I talk to like you guys, I go home and I unload on my beloved husband. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, poor doula husbands. Poor doula husband. He, uh, and really it is, it's time. It's taking the time. I think because it's like anything else. Sometimes you have to take time away from something to heal it. Um, and to let it not be the forefront of what you're thinking about when someone calls and says, hey, I'm going to do, going to have my baby here. Are you available? Nope. Here's Kim. Yeah. <laughs> Here's Suzanne. I haven't had a lot of that sort of um, vicarious trauma for a long time. And I'm wondering if it's because if I'm just sort of looking at, if I wonder if I've become accepting of the way things are. You know what I mean? I wonder if I lo- if I've lost my edge. But sort is it of, so edge or is it are you realism? Just, yeah. Pragmatism. Pragmatism. So if I decided that I was not going to attend hospital births anymore, my doula practice would end. Yeah. I, I mean, like that, I said, that's... I have not been to enough home births to sustain anybody's income. And I work at the hospital as a prenatal instructor, and a lot of my clients come from there. Yeah. And if I decided that I was no longer attending hospital births, oof, I would have to do some major acrobatics in order to continue doing this work at all. The fact of the matter is that, what is it, 80% of births in Ontario? is tw- No, 20% happen with midwives. And even Mm -hmm. the births that happen with midwives happen in hospital. Yes. So it is a very small percentage of births that happen at home and as supportive as I am of that choice the reality is that the majority of births are going to happen in hospital and like you said before if that is where the births are going to happen and if that is where women are most likely to experience some kind of birth trauma then that means they need us yeah even more yeah and so I have to adapt myself to knowing how to prepare and support people who are going into that situation so I couldn't financially or absolutely not in a conscious way decide that I'm not doing hospital births anymore I don't even it's not even something that I want to do or even consider doing because that's where the majority of births happen and that's where we're needed Mm -hmm. where you can't abandon women in hospitals because I can I can handle it I'm not the one yeah feeling contractions and in labor so when you say vicarious trauma Maybe I'm just really good at distancing myself from that. I don't absorb the (laughs) trauma that I see my client going through as much as maybe some other people do. And it's not from a lack of empathy, but it's from a real awareness of what my role is. Yes. I think. And so I am less affected till afterwards during the time when it's happening. Yeah. I can see it, I can name it, I can do what I need to do, mm-hmm. but I don't carry it like an emotional burden. Right. I just don't. I because mean, if I did, I would go bananas. And I yeah. think that your husband is a really good person to 
unload on and process with because he's not a doula Mm -hmm. and he's not because if I tell you guys oh my god you know what happened at the hospital you guys are going to be like what what tell us what happened (laughs) right you're gonna be all like that and it almost is gonna feed my yes fire yeah so I often talk to my sister yeah about a birth my sister knows just enough about the birth process. She used to be because she did. She used to be a childbirth educator, okay. so she knows just enough about birth to understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, but she has never attended a birth as a doula, so that part is kind of new to her. So she doesn't get really as fired as fired up. So she's a perfect person to unload. She's not trying to like figure it all out. What are we gonna do? Yeah. What kind of action are we gonna take to change this? Oh, like she's not all about that. She's just like, oh my God, that sucks. That's awful. Or that's amazing. That's wonderful. Yeah. <clears throat> Most of the time I need to unload about a birth simply because watching a new life enter this world is so overwhelming and brings up so much human emotion mm-hmm. that doesn't even have anything to do with trauma. It is just the intensity of that thing Mm -hmm. and I need to talk to somebody oh my god this baby was born today and you know my sister be like yeah I know you went to a birth I'm like yeah but don't you understand like a baby was actually born it was a human (laughs) put on this planet today (laughs) most of the time it's that intensity and that overwhelming thing that I've got to uh unload about rather than bad things the staff did And even then, mostly it's small things that they said or did. I don't really see big giant violations in no. Well, that's just it. In autonomy and all of that, just don't. And so this is why I'm this. You know, but I mean, I think for me, part of it is you know when I enter a birth space in a hospital, you know, and they're asking the client questions and things like that, or. I will actually ask the client questions to, you know, say like, look, this is your decision. This is what you need to do or not what you need to do. This is what would you like to do? Mm -hmm. How would you like things to go? And hoping that that's going to show the staff that, you know, this is an autonomous adult human being who is going to be making the decisions Mm -hmm. today, that it isn't me that's doing Mm -hmm. the decision-making. I'm not, standing there and overstepping my bounds. Yeah. Um, I often wonder sometimes, you know, are, so here's the question. Are some people with doulas actually treated worse because they have a doula? Because the <laughs> hospital staff have this preconceived notion that the doula is going to walk in and overstep their bounds. I don't think we have that at the hospital we work at because we're known, mm-hmm. but is there a preconceived notion going in? I don't know that there's one anymore. I've, I many moons ago, I mm-hmm. think I saw some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I know I saw it at one hospital not too long ago, where my client was treated different, be- and specifically because they had a doula, and it was brought up. It was like said out loud. Well, I don't work with doulas. Oh, well, that's in my head. I'm thinking, well, that's good because I'm not working, not working with you. With you. I'm <laughs> working with my client yeah. here, um, and I'd. I hadn't seen this doctor for like 10 years. Like I had, I we literally mm-hmm. had no good or bad relationship. So clearly something happened something during happened those 10 years to um, influence and, that viewpoint. And I think when I say, you know, things like secondary trauma, there's all sorts of little things that are just currently part of the system, which again, for some people gives them a great sense of comfort for yeah. others. It unnerves, um, I guess being treated 
like a child for one person feels very comforting. And for another person feels like you're trying to take my decision-making away from me. Mm -hmm. And it's not those things really that, well, I guess for some people it could create a cumulative trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, Not so much that for me, it's really the, the actual violence that I've seen. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess name calling, um, really consciously client or my client. What? Um, I've never seen, and I don't, this is why I told you guys this before. Do I live a Pollyanna existence where I have never seen <laughs> Lucky you. this kind of, <clears throat> I had one client probably a year and a half ago where he did a stretch and sweep on her in the office. And when she got to the hospital, she told the, the resident on staff that he was not doing a vaginal exam because this is what happened to her and he wasn't going to touch her. And he was like, yeah, yeah, no, sorry. I am. I am so deeply sorry. Like Mm -hmm. he was apologizing for his colleague. It wasn't him that did it. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, like good on you. Like stand up for yourself. Right. But I've never seen where anybody's been called a name or had a procedure done on them without their permission. I live as Paul. I live a Pollyanna. World. Well, here's the thing, too. Not I. Not to like you can continue your point after in, in a second step. Oh, yeah, I just sorry, want to I also say. That's all right. Sorry. Keep on going. I just want to say that the other thing that we need to also keep in mind is the population of of uh, families that we work with. Right. We also have to be aware that that's not. No, the exactly. way that all populations are yes, treated. So I mostly true. work with white middle-class married people who come into the hospital presenting in a certain kind of way. That appearance commands a certain kind of treatment. Yes, I also am aware true. that there are people who are racialized, people who show up in different ways, homeless women, women who are sex workers, people who are substance users and and present at the hospital in labor, and they experience a whole, it's a whole other, there's two levels of of treatment. So when I say I don't see that kind of stuff very much, it probably is because the cohort of people, of clients that I work with, you know, demand a certain level of care that doesn't include necessarily name calling. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. No. Name calling or obstetrical violence in any kind of way. That yeah, sort of I'm stuff. Sure we can't happens. deny that that happens because we hear about it all the time. Oh yeah. Right. It just it just doesn't it doesn't I haven't seen it as obvious in my practice, yeah. but I know for sure the women of color go through yes. this sort of stuff. Yes. Um, and people who are marginalized in other ways go through that kind of stuff too. Exactly. So. So I'll tell you then, in specifically speaking to that, and when I talk about having to not do birth at a particular hospital, yeah. it was where every instance except for two, where I went through this period of time where it was happening regularly, it was always women of color. Mm. Yeah. Um, often they were not landed immigrants. Mm-hmm. So they were here temporarily. Yeah, so undocumented folks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was because they were of color and not landed immigrants they were treated atrociously yeah they yeah. were and the strange thing was is that i had this one client who was still just so appreciative yeah that she got to have her baby here despite just oh, some some outrageous shit treatment. some yeah. outrageous shit like 
literally a doctor storming into the room asking her who the fuck she thinks she is. Mm -hmm. And while she's busy laboring, mm -hmm. she's busy just trying to have a baby. Yeah. Um, but then what do you do with that? Like what, what I don't do anything. Cause I'm just a doula. I exactly. just to support my client mm -hmm. um, who had no partner here. She mm -hmm. had her sister here. Um, and thankfully her sister was taking none of that shit. Mm -hmm. nice. But, um, and she kind of reset the room mm -hmm. in the sense of she reset the energy in the room. You know, you can step out and send someone else in, or you can come back in and ask that a different way. Yeah. But she's not answering that question. Mm -hmm. And it, but it should not be combative simply because this woman made a choice that was not in keeping with her doctor and where she wasn't allowed to sign an AMA. And um, like she was threatened with an AMA, but then she wasn't allowed to sign the AMA. Mm. Um, because the information that was being shared with her wasn't actually true medical advice. Oh, right. She basically, I'm just saying she was having a VBAC. Mm -hmm. She didn't want to have the, have a, uh, preset date to have a recurring cesarean section. This is what she shared with me. Um, she wanted to just wait for spontaneous labor. She had wonderful informed consent discussion with one doctor, but then when her physician came back, didn't want to give her the option of not booking it. So she didn't, she said, well, <clears throat> please don't book the cesarean section. I don't want a cesarean section. Mm -hmm. I want to go into labor mm -hmm. and she didn't show up. They booked it anyway and she didn't show up. So when she showed up in labor, all hell broke loose. Mm -hmm. Jesus. Yeah. Um, so, and it, it was at this same hospital where this similar type things happened to a variety of women. And all of these women I was working with at the time were women who were coming to Canada, but weren't mm -hmm. landed immigrants yet. Mm -hmm. And so, and just recently I had, it was the same situation where I was at a different hospital, but my, this particular woman of color was, being berated and condescended to both she and her partner. And then when finally we had this wonderful nurse come on, who was a woman of color, she really changed again. She reset the room. Yeah. She changed the dynamic. She came in and helped bring everything down three notches where I was doing my best to support her and doing the things we were doing. Every time someone came near the door or came near her, she would flinch mm -hmm. right. because she was waiting for someone to That's attack terrible. her again. That's yep. terrible. Um, and so for me, it, it takes my job to the next level. Mm -hmm. It's a different level of emotion to be yeah. working in. And for me, that's what it is. It's when we talk about trauma, it's more like, okay, man, I gave 90% of the energy I got for my work to this one client this month. And I need to put myself in a position where I'm not as likely to be. <laughs> yes. Doing that again yeah. in the same space with these same people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or else it's total burnout. Or it's burnout. And I, I I, can't afford that. So then do I come all the way out of birth work? No, because it's so such a part of what, who I am. But I might pick up more breastfeeding support. Right. Yes. Right. Um, That's more, all about doula self-care. It's yes. doula self-care. It's where can I put my personal resources where I can still support my family and do those things I need to do mm -hmm. in the world I want to work without yeah knocking myself down and not being able to go into a, a space without carrying some old shit into yeah. someone else's birth I have no interest in doing that mm -hmm. you know grounding myself before I walk into someone's labor rooms you stop you put your feet down you take a big breath I always smile yeah smile think I... about my clients <sighs> mm -hmm. that's right yeah I, mm -hmm. you know it's like a I read something the other day a deep breath is like a love note for the soul and I thought that's so true because when we breathe you know, shallow. We don't realize we're doing it until we take that deep breath. And it's like, mm -hmm. everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you walk into that space and you let go of all that other shit that you might be thinking about. 
but it's harder after some births. Yeah. And so there's sure. times where I haven't taken a full hiatus to home births only, but I have taken a hiatus from particular hospitals where I need to, I need a little longer to not carry shit into the next birth I go to there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So that's what that is. Yeah. Cool. So I'd love to hear from anybody else who might have other ideas on how they <clears throat> unburden that and how they let go of that and how they process that. Other doulas who have uh, walked that road yeah, so. and maybe considered going home birth only or birth center only or one hospital only. Yeah. Email yeah. us. Yeah. The pragmatic no, no. If that's at something that you are doing successfully or if yes. that's something that you are considering doing, like what are your plans? How do you plan to sustain? Uh, we're all career doulas. This is my full-time gig. And how is that possible? I'm not saying that I'm interested in doing that, but I would be interested to hear about a doula mm -hmm. practice yeah. that does sustain itself by doing um, home births and, and uh, birth center births. Only. Yeah. Only working with midwives. <laughs> and just to add on to what you were saying, Steph, last week I attended the Racialized Maternal Health Conference on the 31st of January. I don't know when this is going to air, but I was going to say, why don't we take a break? Because yeah. I really want to have that like as a okay. whole section. So why don't we take a break on that mm -hmm. um, and pee? And then <laughs> you're on because I so desperately want to okay. hear about all, all of right. this. Okay. All I right. want you to try my lactation cookies. Oh, yes. Let's and, see if we lactate. And bagel. Are they keto? I, no. No. Okay. Okay. I'm just checking. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Doesn't we, mean I'm not going to eat it. We, we will be back. Um, enjoy this musical interlude. All right, we're back. We're full. Oh my god, we're so full. Stephanie made some delicious keto bagels for us, mm -hmm. and um, I don't think I need to eat for another week. They were so filling. <laughs> Jesus Lord. <laughs> It's true. Tell us the nutritional content of these bagels. Definitely. For those of you who are interested in keto, and by the way, the ingredients are all wholesome. The carb count was like six carbs. Yes. Six grams of carbs. Here four we go. grams of fiber. Twenty-eight grams of protein. And you know a shit ton of calories. You know what I hate about these recipes and stuff though? You get on their website and you gotta go through like three million parts of the blog post before you get to the actual recipe. That's what's happening here. But they're delicious. Really, really, really delicious. I'm so glad you like this. So <sighs> per serving, per bagel, the calories might blow you away, 449. Mm -hmm. 35.5 grams of fat. Protein is 27.8 grams. Total carbs is 10, but there's a fiber count of four. So the net carbs is six grams. And they are so good. They are called... They're yeah. everything bagels. They smell amazing. Mm -hmm. And they are amazing. You can go to peaceloveandlowcarb.com and look up the bagels. And it's amazing. Right. Yummy there you bagels. go. Don't say we didn't learn you anything. Exactly. Yeah. Be right back. Yeah. Okay. So before the break, I was talking about um, the RMHC that I went to last week. on. Which stands for? <clears throat> RMHC stands for the Racialized Maternal Health Conference. It was put on by an um, organization called Mommy Monitor. You can go and check them out at mommymonitor.ca and keep up with any sort of events that uh, they are putting together. But it was a day-long conference held at Daniel Spectrum in Regent Park, 
it was amazing. I know a lot of you were probably there. I saw a lot of people that I knew and the place was full. <clears throat> they had a huge um, variety of speakers talking about all sorts of aspects. I mean, the, the subtitle of the conference was the politics of the black pregnant body. So they, f the focus was on issues faced by women of color, particularly black women during pregnancy, labor and birth. <clears throat> and there was a lot of uh, discussion. There was a lot of talk about intersectionality, about how different aspects of our lives intersect with each other and how it is not possible to separate your <clears throat> your uh, your race from your class, from your ability, from your sexual orientation or whatever. That we need to look at people as whole people, basically, mm -hmm. is what that's saying. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and that any movement, any movement needs to do that, that we can't separate people. So that was one of the big takeaways for me. There was a really good discussion about teen moms. There was even a um, presentation about fathers, about black fathers and their role in um, pregnancy, labor, and uh, child rearing. That role is very often not just diminished, but demonized. And um, these two men from the organizations that I represented really made a good presentation. So um, they are going to be doing this conference again next year. And the, the conference and all the speakers are available on the website. I think there's an rmhc.ca website. So you can actually go and watch the sessions or listen to the sessions on there. Also on mommymonitor.ca, you can go on there and uh, check out not just information about this year's conference, but any other events that they might be <clears throat> putting on. Um, Who's your favorite speaker? Oh man, I can't remember the woman's name, but she's the one that did this, the talk about intersectionality. She was amazing. She was, she, she's the kind of person that like lights a fire in you that makes you feel like, yeah. you know what? Let's stop talking. Let's get up and go do some shit right now. Let's go everybody. She was like that. And I do not remember her name. She, I believe was the second speaker and uh, she was awesome. So um, I'll, I'll look it up and find, and find out for you in a little while, but um, she was great. She talked about intersectionality and you know what? A lot of it, a lot of the stuff that she said, I was already very familiar with, but it was the way she said it. <laughs> I love her way of speaking. I love her style and I love the way she puts things. She was also at the conference last year. She was a speaker at the conference last year also. And then I also wanted to, when we were talking a little while ago about trauma, mm -hmm. I also wanted to say that there are trauma-informed workshops happening all the time. Mm -hmm. And I would really recommend that any doula who is interested in working with marginalized populations or populations of people who are very likely to have experienced trauma to take one of those um, workshops. Some of them might not be in the city. They might be around the city. I get emails from them. and. Um, while you guys are talking, I'm going to look up some other things so I can give you some more spe specific information about that. Um, but there are things that we can do to educate ourselves about what's happening up there with people and how we can best serve the populations that are experiencing the kinds of 
trauma that you were talking about and who have experienced other kinds of trauma that will impact their healthcare. Um, for instance, women who are victims of sexual assault, people who are um, the victims of violence in all sorts of ways, uh, people who are affected by living on the street, that kind of thing, mm -hmm. right? Things that we don't see, most of us, most of us doulas don't see that very often in our practice every day, but those people are out there and um, they're having babies and they need our support also. One of these women, um, yeah, it's one of them, but not you haven't hit the one yet also, that I was talking about. Also this no, 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 nope, keep going. Oh, her, Raina L. Mugamar, Raina, no, sorry, Rania R A N I A, Rania L. Mugamar. She was amazing, cool, yeah, that was my favorite speaker. There were a lot of people, there was even a couple of people that I knew. I was very honored to know some of the people who were on the uh, on the roster of speakers. So yeah, wow, it was great. A lot of speakers. There were it, it was a full day. Started at nine thirty ish. Yeah. And uh, finished at five thirty. And it was just one day. That's a lot of people. Yeah. So it was like back to back, back speakers. To back. Yeah. So you were filled up to the eyeballs with information. And interestingly, oh, vast majority of people stayed like, you know, Went usually the by the one. end of the conference, people filter out, mm -hmm. but three quarters of the people were still there by the end of it. And it was free mm -hmm. and it included lunch. Yeah. Which is crazy. <laughs> Catered by the pickle barrel. Like what? Thank you. Pickle barrel. Wow. Yeah. So it was incredibly awesome and amazing. Well, when's the next one? Cause I think we should all next go. year. All right. Well, next year. But um, the trauma-informed um, workshops, workshops happening I, all the time. I yeah. think there's one coming up down at the birth center. I seem to there might be uh, an ad for it come up. And then there was one happening in Niagara too, I think. So let's remember that these podcasts are time sensitive. Yes. So, so. when we say. I'm sure if you coming look up one soon, up on Google. Yeah. Yes. Look it the up. next one's coming up. And um, <clears throat> somebody might be listening to this three years from now. This yes. is. February 2019 when sure. we're recording. So those things might come up um, later. Bless you. Bless you. All right. You're not a loud sneezer? No. Oh, I'm a violent Well, sneezer. no, I probably just blew out like 15,000 brain cells doing that. <laughs> Your left eye looks a little protruded there. You might want to pop it back in. Sorry. <laughs> I could end up having a stroke. Just be careful. Somebody watch me. That's how we're going to end today. There we go. No, nope. we're ending with birth stories. Do not bother. Oh, am I telling Kira's birth story today? You are telling a birth story today. You are up. It is your turn. The first. Uh, Do we have any more first, to add? My first member of my womb tank. About this? Nope. That's good. That's fine. I'm going to okay. look up some trauma-informed care workshops. Okay. On here while. Well, but you know what? Talking. We don't. We what we can do is actually mm -hmm. post it onto the Instagram page. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And maybe mm -hmm. one day we'll get a Facebook page too. Mm, maybe yeah. one day. So I'm going to put my Band-Aid here and I want you to be grossed out. It's from my tetanus shot yesterday. Oh, jeez. And my big bruising arm. Yeah, thank Ouch. you. It's going to hurt for days and days. I feel that deep. It's not too bad. But Mine yeah. didn't start till day three. Oh, great. It, was, it hurt like even when I did oh, this. Great. So on yeah. the weekend, yeah. when, you know, you I'm, either, I'm either at a birth or trying to Relax. dig out my mm -hmm. office. Yes. Um, are you working this week? Nobody is because remember oh, we thought it was family it's day. It's family day. Is it not? No. That's what I'm saying. We made a mistake. So we're teaching on family day weekend. 
I thought that that's what's in my calendar that it's the, that it's the 11th. No family day weekend is not this weekend. It's the following weekend. And we deliberately did not work this weekend because we thought family day would be this weekend. Yeah. Oops. But it isn't. All yeah. right. Well, enough of that. All right. Oh, so never mind. <laughs> Sorry. Never mind. We're anyways. Yeah. Um, story. You ready for a birth story? Is there anything else you wanted to cover before I start talking about Kira? No. Let's no. hear about Kira. I, I actually so, am looking forward to it. Somebody asked me, so, but you know all these stories, you know, when you, when we tell, when we tell our stories. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, actually, no, I don't. I mean, I know a couple things maybe about yours and I know a couple things maybe about yours. Mm-hmm. But I don't really know anything about your guys' birth stories, really, as far as details go. So this is yeah, all. like I know like bits and pieces. Yeah, I, mean, I knew that Will had spent time in the NICU. Yeah, I knew that you had one home birth. Yeah, in, and in I water. That, yes, a yeah. water birth. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know details. That's mm-hmm. what I want to know. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, details. Don't leave yeah. anything out. All, all right. right. Cool. Well, ready now. Go. How old, Kira? Uh, in her 20s? 26, almost, she'll be 27 this coming, this year, in October though, so I was, how old was I, 19 when I had her? Woo! She was a big old surprise. Let I me just tell you, mom. oh my gosh, let me, okay, so if I want to really go far back, I have to tell you, I did not think I was pregnant. My friend Monique told me I was pregnant. Oh shit. I'm like, I am not pregnant, I have endo. Were you married? No. Hmm. Um... I have endo. I've already been told I'm probably not ever having kids. I'm, this shit's not going Four down. Four babies later. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am just cranky and my periods have always, because of the endo, I can like have every two weeks and then like have a break for six weeks and then have a deluge for, for a couple weeks again. Mm. Um, it's always been a little crazy. So I wasn't thinking that, but I was particularly cranky. And so, uh, my friend insisted I go to the lovely public health at oh, Scarborough Town yes. Center. Why, why did she yeah, think you were pregnant? Like, what was it? What she's you... known me since before she's I had my first period. She just got that thing? Yeah. She was kind of like pointing at me like, yeah, yeah. something's up there. You should just yeah, go, just go check. Go get checked. Yeah, go get checked. Um, so you went to public was health the, instead of buying, like, instead I was of going to shoppers? Yeah. Well, let's go to Scarborough Town Center. I worked there anyway. True. <laughs> you just walk across to the public health, mm-hmm. right? It was in the same building, or it was in the the Scarborough Town Hall back then. Yeah. Now I right I, I know that you're much younger than me, mm-hmm. but I mean, when I first got pregnant, it was that was not during the time you could just go to the drugstore and pick up a pregnancy test to pee on the stick. We couldn't. I couldn't do that. Did you have that option to just go pee on a stick? You know what? I hadn't even thought about it. We, I knew about the public health system there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was already on birth control because of the endo. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just, I just assumed, oh, well, I'm at work. I'll just pop over because the public health is there. You literally go in. You wait 15 minutes to come out. They give you a little thing to pee in. They stick a swab in it. That'll do that. Get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. Alex is going to come pick me up anyway mm-hmm. from work. So I walked out of that joint into it was january but i remember it was raining and i remember them as she's telling me i'm pregnant i'm looking at thinking this bitch is crazy i'm like she's got someone else's just like lifted out of your body yes it was absolutely surreal i'm like this is what the fuck are you talking about yeah Uh, because it had not occurred to me that it might ever actually come back positive yeah and i shuffled my ass out of there still in a fog and went out into the rain and told 
Alex, who was waiting for me by his car, mm -hmm. that I was pregnant, expecting him to also have the same reaction. Mm -hmm. Like, are you crazy? <clears throat> All this stuff. He jumped for joy as I fell down on my knees crying. Oh, my God. He thought this was the, he's like, holy shit, we're going to have a baby. Mm -hmm. And happy as a frigging clam he was. And I'm, I'm like, now I'm looking at him like, now you're crazy. <laughs> the world has gone crazy. Yep. Yep. And yeah, so that's how I found out. That was interesting as it was. But anyhow, you know, off we go. Yeah. We're moving along. Um, you know, shortly thereafter, we made the decision to get a condo over on McAllen and move in together and give this thing a go. Back when 19-year-olds could afford condos in Scarborough? Yeah. You know. What the hell? <laughs> Um, They're a million dollars now, so that's not going to happen. And, uh, yeah, so anyhow, through the pregnancy we go, everything's uneventful, pregnant, 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 talking to my grandmother about it sometimes. Um, and I get to 40 weeks, everything's good, 41 weeks, everything's good, 42 weeks. You're like, hey, you know, we'll talk next week. It's going to be Thanksgiving, so we'll talk about induction if we get there. But I was having, you know, ultrasounds to make sure all is well every three to four days. I'm just plugging along because, you know, you're 19 and you just plug along, mm. right? Um, as one does. Yeah. But then labor actually started at three o'clock in the morning, of course, as it does. And just uh, what two of them, my two did. All oh of mine God. started at three in the morning. What the Every hell? single one. Mm -hmm. Three, three thirty is when I kind of woke up with the first twinges like, ah, that feels like more than gas. Mm -hmm. um, and you try to fart it out and it's not a fart. It's, you know, your first well, contractions. Steph does. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Even at 19. <laughs> No, no, it's that that's not as we do. It's <laughs> as Steph does. But, you know, I'm not feeling like a. we had taken an amazing, uh, Scarborough General actually back then had a really great program mm -hmm. and um, like prenatal program. We had this great class, lots of good information, what to expect. And if the baby, don't get yourself distressed or overly reactive if it doesn't feel like a person is trying to escape your body. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember that specific phrase. She's like, if you don't feel like someone is trying to burrow the way out of your body and with that intensity, just go about your day. Mm -hmm. And that stuck with me. Mm -hmm. So I just went to the bathroom, got up, went back to bed. And this went on and off for another day. And it wasn't mm -hmm. until the middle of the night, the next night, where as the sun was actually coming up, I got um, any level of intensity that kind of gave me pause, caused me to do some work. Um, so I got Alex up and said, you know, we're going to go for a walk. I need to stretch my legs. I've been doing a lot of laying down the past 24 hours. And so we walked and we wandered and a couple of people stopped us going, I know that walk. People in my neighborhood, <laughs> we know that walk. Yeah. Yep. It's like, oh, you're having a baby soon. Mm. It's like, yeah, I hope mm -hmm. so. Um, we ended up going to the hospital earlier. So sorry, what was this? Mid-October then? This was, yeah, October, I guess, 9th, we went to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, and we went in around when I, I'm going to say I was in early active labor, as I can look at it now. Things mm -hmm. were about five to seven minutes apart, mm -hmm. but the intensity was really there. And I had a low-lying placenta. I was very, it was close to the exit, but it wasn't covering mm -hmm. it any longer. Still very low-lying. So they want, they said, come in a little earlier when things are intense, just so we can gauge your bleeding and stuff. So I did, came in, and promptly realized that everything that I learned in my prenatal class was not actually practiced by the hospital. <laughs> uh -huh. So you're going to get into bed and you're going to stay on this monitor. And of course my labor starts slowing down and everything. Well, we can give you something to pick it up. And then they had some sort of emergency happen. So they just, they're like, no, just stay there and we'll come back for you later. So things picked back up again. Sorry. What year was this? 92. Okay. So, uh, 
things pick back up and we're going, we're really rocking now. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I come in and um, <coughs> doctor comes in and checks me and says, okay, you're solid six centimeters here. And I'm, and he's in there for a bit. And I'm like, get out. Mm -hmm. Cause you got to get up. You can't stay in that position. Get out. Mm -hmm. Well, I, there's something I need to do. No, get out. Boof. What? That was the if first it's not, trick. Take the baby out. <laughs> then get your hands out. Then yeah, forget get it. Your hands That's out of right. Vagina. Thank mm -hmm. you. And uh, that was the first kick. And my poor ex-husband, he's just, every time someone came in to check on me, he would step back about three feet because he thinks, oh, there's people here. They can help her. They're here to help her. They're help here to do something that helps her. And this is, I found this out afterwards oh, in the moment. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> in the moment, it makes sense, of course, to somebody who's not been to a birth before mm -hmm. and is only 19 years old. Um, but anyhow. Oh my God. I just realized that's the age of my like youngest son. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Me yeah. too. Lord have mercy. My oldest. Anyhow, we ended up with, I had a handful of nurses that were working with me because it wasn't one-to-one -one care at that time who just wanted me to stay in the fucking bed. Mm -hmm. And like, this was the message that was loud and clear. No, just stay here for a bit more. No, just stay here for a bit more. Mm -hmm. Finally, when I'm on the verge of cracking, and I guess at this point, I'm just before transition, I had this beautiful, big woman come in and scoop me from the bed. You cannot be laying there. You cannot get a baby out laying down. There's, we have to do something. Mm -hmm. And she had just taken over. She was fresh too. She oh, came in. She nice. smelled good. <laughs> She's she picked me up. She puts me down. She like hugs me to her bosom, and and I ample remember just bosom. a big ample bosom. And yes. she's talking to me, and at the at the time, I didn't know what her accent was exactly, but she's from Trinidad. Mm -hmm. She shuffles me across the hallway to this separate room that was a shower, mm -hmm. and holds me under the shower. And I'm sitting there thinking, <laughs> "You're getting wet." Mm -hmm. But I'm like half naked anyway, but I, and I'm like, she's not leaving. I'm not going to say anything. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to let her hold me here and rock me under the water. Mm -hmm. It was shortly after that I could not take anymore. It was, she was, I heard her say that she had to go soon. I guess she had to go check on someone else or something like that. And she brought me back to the room at that point. I'm like, epidural, mm -hmm. hook me up. Mm -hmm. As soon as she got me back to my room, things went from this two to three minutes knees buckling labor to spread back out to four minutes apart, mm -hmm. five minutes apart, as soon as she left me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, get me an epidural. I cannot do this shit alone without her. Yeah. Yeah. By myself. And, um, you know, Alex is getting me cold cloths and he's rubbing me, but rubbing me gently, you know, that gentle uh, light touch. Yeah. And because uh, he's trying to help me yeah. and be close to me and do all the things he knows help when I have endo pain. Yeah. Right. Right. When I have bad cramps and stuff. And half the time that means staying away from me. And the other half means like playing with my hair or stroking me to distract me. It doesn't work in labor. Um, but he was trying. And so I called for the epidural. Oh, hallelujah. Can we say hallelujah enough hallelujah. times? I wept. I cried. I offered to cook for the man. I, I remember asking. Do you want this baby? Do yeah. you want her? You can have this baby. I remember hollering. Just you have it. As yeah. he walks out the door, you're my favorite. Mm -hmm. And it, it just sounded so ridiculous, but it was so truthful in that mm -hmm. moment. Because it took so beautifully. Mm -hmm. Oh, Lord have mercy. It took so beautifully. Um, it wasn't that much longer before my labor picked back up again. I think I got into a good rest and the labor picked back up nice and close together. And soon enough, I'm feeling the pressure in my butt. But of course, what I hear from is our nurse next saying, okay, it's time for the enema. I'm oh, sorry, what? At that yes, point? At that mm. point. 
Okay. Because she didn't expect <clears throat> it to then go that fast. Although we are now into, we had, this was the hours just before midnight. And I remember saying to the nurse, not realizing how fast things had gone, that, um, and my sister was there saying, Carrie, I don't think I'm going to be able to have this baby on your birthday, which is October 10th. This nurse gave the biggest laugh ever. She's like, honey, you are not having this baby uh, today. You are having this baby tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You are going to have this baby on your sister's birthday. Mm-hmm. And I cried all over again. I'm like, you people are crazy. Just, people I cannot be this any longer. But uh, yeah, then they brought in the enema. And if you've never had an enema hospital style back in the day, it's hot, soapy water with a hose. They blow up your ass. Oh, yep. And then tell you to hold it. Yep. What? Let me tell you, I shot off that bed into the bathroom with them yelling at me. Mm-hmm. You have to come back. You have to have your butt in the air. For but how bed. with your epidural? Be- because I was done. It was shutting off. Like everything was shutting down. They turned it off? They turned it off. What? Like, because, I'm, because I was that far along. They're that, but wasn't you remember it still those? in your back? Yes. So you jumped off the bed. And I'm gone. Your- <laughs> and I shit myself from the bed there and then fall down on my knees in the bathroom and shit myself in the bathroom. Holy crap. I could not feel anything from my hips to my tits, mm-hmm. but I could feel my legs. Oh, my God. Oh my so this is how low the baby is. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, after a good laugh, they clean me up. Bring me back to the bed. <laughs> after a good laugh. They call me in for a bolus. Mm-hmm. I need a bolus because I can feel things. Yes. Because they wanted me to shit on the bed. Because you ran from the bed to the bathroom. Clearly yes. you're feeling something. I'm feeling I'm feeling enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm feeling pressure, but I'm not fully. Mm-hmm. But this is time for the enema because mm-hmm. we're getting close. And then it's time for the shaving. I'm like, is this, again, in, the, in our class, they're saying how this is outdated and mm-hmm. not necessary and probably counter to mm-hmm. what's recommended. Good evidence, yeah. But at that point, I was I was done. I'd had my bolus. I'd had this. I'm like, are you going to leave me alone? Mm-hmm. And right after the shaving and the bolus goes in, I'm fully and it's time to push. And this bolus has now made me completely numb. Oh, mm-hmm. so like I can't. Nothing. Yes. It felt like what a spinal feels like. Like I felt there was no movement of my legs, mm-hmm. but I could still feel my butt. And mm-hmm. like I could feel the pressure mm-hmm. and it felt sharp. Mm. So now I can't feel my legs, I can't feel my stomach, but I can feel my butt, mm-hmm. and I can feel a sharp sensation in my vagina. Mm-hmm. And at this point, you're just you're giving up, like you're mentally on the edge because you don't know what you're supposed to be feeling anymore. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, cures coming down, cures coming down, cures coming down. We're pushing, we're pushing for like a good two hours. We're into October 10th now, and it's just not working. Like she's coming down, she's going back, she's coming down, she's going back. Normal, right? Yeah. But the the pressure to have her is there by this doctor who doesn't yeah. like me because I'm 19. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So the ageism is happening. Mm-hmm. The little girl, the baby's having babies, the commentary is there. Mm. And so already he's humming and hawing and making little commentary as he comes in and out, seeing that I still haven't had this baby. I still haven't brought this baby down. Um. And I'm telling him, though, that I can feel his hands inside of me. And he's telling me, no, you you can't. You can't even move your legs. So he's countering what I'm telling him. Yeah. And so this was being 19. And part of you is, like, not trying to be polite. But the other half is, like, mm-hmm. you cannot touch me without my permission. Mm-hmm. I don't even fucking know you. And you're in here talking to me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Finally, though, my nurse pulls up one leg, turns me on my side. Mm-hmm. Kira comes right down. Mm. And he had just been, he had just decided he was going to leave, but he turned around and came back because she said something. And I don't remember what she said. I just remember when she yacked that one leg up and turned me on my left side. She's like, you're going to, something along the lines of, you're going to want to come back now. Kira's right there. And I'm just now taking a break because now I'm really feeling everything. Like, it's not right. just the burning like ring of right fire. There, yeah. It is, I can feel her finger too. And I remember asking her to move her finger and her saying the baby's head is right there. And I'm like, move your finger. And then he comes and he looks and he starts putting on gloves. And then I see him pick up scissors. scissors. Just And just because I just happened to open my eyes. I just, because just, you're so intense, right? And I'm like, very clearly, I don't want an episiotomy. <laughs> Again, going well, back to my class. Interesting where, that you would even know. Yeah I, yeah, I didn't even know what an episiotomy was. At the class. Yeah. The class they had said, you know, we are, you know, moving towards less episiotomies now because we're cutting through tissue and muscle mm-hmm. and it requires a lot more, mm-hmm. you know, recovery afterwards. So now it is better just to let the baby sit there and stretch things out. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at him with this one eye and he already has the scissors ready to go. I don't want an episiotomy. And... He called me a rather nasty name. What? Because I had because you said you didn't want an episiotomy. I don't want an episiotomy. Don't of course cut me. Mm -hmm. And he made a comment about me. I want to say self-centered little bitch. It wasn't that exact term, but it was around there because it's a very familiar term to me. Um, But uh, around me being young, making a decision, and telling him what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember closing my eyes, thinking, "Well, I've said it, so he's not going to do it." And then feeling because the, you're feeling everything there. The cut because oh. and it wasn't the burning ring of fire because I was already having that. Mm-hmm. Cut, cut, cut <gasps> three times. Oh my god! So oh, it wasn't even like Jesus. my perineum was being pulled nice and tight. And yeah, the one cut and the baby comes out. Cut me three times. Inserted forceps. My baby is on <gasps> my perineum. What? Because he wanted to now do everything I had said I didn't want. Mm-hmm. perineum cut forceps in delivered my baby by forceps mm-hmm. that didn't need to be born mm-hmm. now i'll backtrack here when he cut me when i felt the third cut i kicked him again and i called him a fucking asshole mm-hmm. he, and that's where that's yeah. where the forceps came out and he pulled kira out attempted to take her away and i reached down and i literally reached and grabbed his sleeve mm-hmm. on my side and i said give me my baby and the nurse at that point then took, cut clamp Kira, took Kira over to the warming thing. And I called him a fucking asshole again. And I can hear my mom and my mother-in-law out in the hallway saying, oh my gosh, she's swearing at the doctor. Like I hear them talking about it. Um, and Kira was taken away. And Kira was absolutely perfect. She had a giant head. Mm-hmm. Um, she was only 7'15". She was just a wee thing, but she has a lot of head. And... Uh, was that 15 ounces with yeah. her head? And I remember yeah. sending Alex over to the warmer to be with her because I just wanted someone who loves her to have eyes on her at that time. And this doctor didn't end up sewing me up. He sat down what? to look at what was happening. He called someone else in to do it. Yeah. I think yeah. he thought I was well, going you know to what? Yeah, I'm going to gonna keep kicking him in the face. Yeah. Right. And so he called someone else in to do it. So he left. So he left. So backtracking too, again, not being listened to is a huge thing. I tell them my epidural is wearing off and I'm feeling everything. And their response is to tell me I need an enema. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And uh, 
them now believing that I can move mm-hmm. with this epidural um, because I go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Off we go. Me and my trusty thing, which didn't actually hold me up because I did end up falling down and shitting myself before ever actually reaching the toilet. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, afterwards, yeah, he left me and sent someone in to sew me up, which was a horrendous recovery too. Like, like I've yes. seen the episiotomies done before too, but I've never seen one where you've had to cut like three times. Like it was an unnecessary cut, obviously. Yeah. Right. Um, and her being born, but the then I remember her being brought back to me. And I think I can see here why a lot of people afterwards decide not to make an argument or make a complaint because the minute Kira was brought back to me, because again, I was being quite vocal and I can, Mm -hmm. again, remember hearing my mom and my mother-in-law in in the hallway commenting on how I was being vocal. Mm -hmm. Um, It was like, I don't care who you fucking people are, fix what you did. I'm going to sit here with my baby. Mm -hmm. And it was just like totally in love with this big headed kid. Yeah. Have been passed back to me, um, and all the trauma of it got all jumbled up. Fuzzy. Yes. Yeah. jumbled yes. up in that in yeah. that adoration. <clears throat> and I remember thinking at that time about her face. She had like this this long red mark mm-hmm. across from her face mm-hmm. from the forceps. Um, and in my head, of course, thinking, I wonder if she's okay, if she's hurt mm-hmm. because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, to this day, though, it's funny or not funny. And my niece has this too, from her forceps. She, you can't see at all ever unless she gets mad mm-hmm. and then you can see a mark. Then it comes yes. to the surface. Yeah. Uh, like a blush mark, I guess. When the blood comes into her face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting that all of those, that experience all culminates. And when I think about it, it sounds absolutely horrid, but then the minute Kira was brought back to me, in that blanket, it's like, oh, I know you. I know who you are. And not ever wanting to let her go. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, I did the right thing at the time, you think is the normal thing. I passed her off to Alex so Alex could go out in the hallway with where the families. Where you're, yeah, where your people And then were. I realized what a mistake that was because now I'm alone with these people. Oh, shit. But my big, beautiful Trini nurse came back in mm. and she starts talking to me to completely distract me and starts talking to me about how I have great boobs. <laughs> She's like, oh, you're Because that's the gonna... next step. Yeah, it's true. She's like, oh, look at you. Oh, you're so ready. Oh, mm-hmm. she's going to love these. Like she's mm-hmm. not trying to make up for what the doctor did, but mm-hmm. she's trying to get me in that good space mm-hmm. so that afterward, mm-hmm. I could, I could be there for her and mm-hmm. not be fo- so focused on all this other shit that mm-hmm. was going on. Yeah. Um, so in looking back, really, when I look at it, I kind of had everything, with the exception of the Pitocin, I had everything. I had an, a good active labor. I had wonderful staff. I had horrible staff. I mm-hmm. had misogyny. I had ageism. <laughs> yes. I had an awesome baby. I had an ex-husband who was just trying to do his very best. Mm-hmm. And, and then I had myself being told, it's funny, I remember listening to you talk about your, your mom being very concerned about things like saying damn and shit. And Mm -hmm. here I am not just calling a doctor nasty names, but hitting him and shit like that. And, and the flack that I I didn't have that that. agency at all. (laughs) No, I didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, and then afterwards, I actually asked at the front desk about making, on our way, about making a complaint. 
And they said, you need to know he was having a bad day. Oh, that was the well then. Yeah. That's okay. Thanks for explaining. You need to understand the stress he's under. He was having a very rough day. So Mm -hmm. the trauma I experienced. So was I. I'm so sorry. Yeah, you were having, I was in labor. I should write him a thank you note for not, you know, killing me. Yeah. Yeah. Or for not calling me any other names. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, but I can't look back at it and say there's anything I would change simply because. Maybe being respected. I mean, that would be as an autonomous person, but would I have recognized the benefit of the alternative if I Mm -hmm. hadn't had that? Mm -hmm. True. True. Mm -hmm. And you know, did it make you a fiercer mother? Maybe even to be maybe informs the way that you provide dual support. Yeah. You know what? Really? You would think that that would have been the big change that that formed how I asked for support for myself. Mm Mm-hmm. Because after that, I was I was not taking any prisoners. If, if someone offered something, I said, yep. Mm-hmm. Can I? And if I needed something, yep. And everything became very cut and dry. Is she crying? Pick her up. Does she need to be fed? Feed her. Is there something else going on? Do it. You want to go out? Pick her up. Put her on your body. Take her out. There's nothing to fear. You just go ahead and be a mom the way you want to be a mom, yeah. um, which is very much my Grammy's way of being. And um, that really carried me through, too. Like, you've been through this. It's horrible. And it's not to discount all of that, but you can still be an awesome mother after going through all of that. Mm-hmm. Now, it was really, it was interesting. You know, we spoke, Kim, about your birth story before um, and the deep, dark depression that took over for you. And I had that after Kira only, or after Abigail, after my third child, after my C-section, mm-hmm. which in many ways was a hugely different supported mm-hmm. birth. But for some reason, some hormonal switch was flipped. Mm-hmm. Despite, it, you, although it was a cesarean section, there was some hormonal switch that happened that was like, boom. Yeah. I went into this dark gray area. Yeah. So birth can definitely impact how you experience postpartum impression. What oh, yeah. it. for sure. Oh, for sure. 100%. And if I look at it, what I had with that with Kira should have in many ways put me into some sort of fucking support group, yeah. you know, like it would have had yeah. me reaching out for something. But what it did, yeah, is I guess it made me a bit more fierce yeah. afterwards. When I got home, I'm like, I'm parenting her my fucking way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is how I'm doing it. And thankfully, I had an ex-husband, too, who was totally on board with that. He thought it was awesome. Like, yeah, you're parenting your way. And this is how we are choosing to do things as a family. And from there on, it was very clear that it was him and I parenting. And everyone else could have an opinion, but it didn't really impact how we did things. Yeah. Unless it was going to be supportive. How what's the day, How old were you when you had, was it Abby? You said you had the cesarean? Yeah. Um, Abby was 2002. I was born in 72. So I was 30 when I had Abby. And you were married settled your life was very safe and secure mm-hmm. yeah I, don't, I have no science to back this up but I really think there's something something there's something about being young with a life that's not all that settled and when you look at you know and the the postpartum depression when it happens there's women who seem to have it all they've got all the supports mm-hmm. they're financially secure Yep. So what is this? Yep. Why are you depressed? What's wrong with you? You've got everything. Well, that was and here we've got these 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds having their babies go through that kind of birth experience. And yet. <clears throat> yeah. Like we talk about a, a fierce mother bear goddess type shit. That's that 19-year-old me coming yeah. out of this. Like, yeah. That was me at 17. Afterwards. Not mm-hmm. during my labor and birth. But yeah. afterwards with my baby. So I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't. 
I only have questions. I don't have answers. I'm just saying that that's what I've noticed and that it's a really interesting, um, an interesting difference. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I've never looked at it like that, but yeah. Yeah. I think you're definitely touching on something there. I was a very different person. That's for sure. Right. And so you would think a different person. You've, this was your third baby. You're experienced. Mm -hmm. You were supported. You were more secure in yourself. Mm -hmm. All of that good stuff that we would think would protect you from postpartum depression, but it doesn't. No. Same, same process, same hormonal physiological process. So what's up with that? What happened? Yeah. But that, that's what, I, like I said, I don't know why. I don't. Anybody who has the answers, if you've done your PhD on this, yes. please contact us. And let or us even know. if you haven't. I, I have only wonderings about it. We'll talk yeah. about postpartum depression, I'm sure, at another, in another, Definitely. another mm-hmm. episode in the near yep. future. Mm-hmm. Because um, it happens. Because it happens. And it's happened to me. And it's happened to you. And mm-hmm. So yeah. and what it looks like is so different from person to person, oh, yeah. too. That's it's incredibly different. Cool. Yeah. All right. So that's us. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. This was a long one. I hope you stuck it through. Good for you. Good job. (laughs) We love your perseverance. Yes, we do. Thanks for your support. Don't forget to rate, review, and and subscribe. And And tell your friends. Yeah. Tell your friends and send us your stories and And emails. And emails. All comments are welcome. All comments are welcome. All of them. Send us an email, Vera. Yes. <laughs> we want to hear from you. Zero. Uh, yes. And um, take care, everybody. All right. Bye. See you next time. Bye.